Chapter 10 of The Sea Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jerry Dixon. The Sea Witch by Murray Macherine Ballou. Chapter 10 The Duel. Affairs in the immediate vicinity of Don Leonardo's residence began to assume a singular and very peculiar aspect. In the first place, there was within doors, and under his immediate roof, four newcomers, nearly each of which was actuated by some contrary purpose or design. Mrs. Huntington was exceedingly desirous to obtain passage up the coast to Sierra Leone, and thence home to England. Her daughter secretly dreaded the approach of the hour that was to separate her from one whom, in her unrevealed heart, she devotedly loved. Captain Ratlin was, of course, all impatience to have the English cruiser up anchor and leave the harbor, her proximity to his own fleet clipper ship being altogether too close, while Captain Bramble felt in no haste to leave the port for several reasons. First, he had a suspicion that he should soon be able to trip up the heels of his rival, as it regarded this business on the coast. And secondly, he was very content to have Miss Huntington remain here, because he knew if she was once landed at Sierra Leone, she would directly sail for England. Don Leonardo heartily wished them all at the bottom of the sea, or any other place except his house, with the exception, of course, of Captain Ratlin, whose business with him was seriously impeded by the presence of these parties. Maud, too, was not a disinterested party, as the reader may well imagine, after the audacious treachery which she had already evinced, but she was comparatively passive now, and seemed quietly to bide her time for accomplishing her second resolve, touching him she once loved but now hated, as well as satisfying her revengeful spirit by the misery or destruction of her rival. We say affairs in Don Leonardo's residence had assumed a singular and peculiar aspect, and the dull routine of everyday life that had characterized the last year was totally changed. The singular coincidence of the meeting between Miss Huntington and her rejected lover, Captain Bramble, under such singular circumstances, led him once more to press this suit, and now, as she regarded him largely in the light of a protector, the widow quite approved of his intimacy, and indeed, as far as propriety would permit, seconded his suit with her daughter. When in India she had looked most favorably upon Captain Bramble's intimacy with her child, where there were accessory circumstances to further her claims, but now she soon told her daughter in private that Captain Bramble was a match fit and proper in all respects for such as she was. But mother, well, my child? Suppose, for instance, that I do not like Captain Bramble, then is he a fitting match for me? Not like him, my child? Yes, mother, not like him. Why, is he not gentlemanly? Yes. And of good family? Undoubtedly. And handsome? And— Hold, mother, you need not extend the catalogue. Captain Bramble can never be my husband, she said in a mild but determined tone that her mother understood very well. But Captain Bramble himself could not seem to understand this, notwithstanding she was perfectly frank and open with him. 
he seemed to be running away with the idea that if he could but get rid of captain ratlin in some way he should then have a clear field and be able to win her hand under the peculiar circumstances surrounding her thus moved he redoubled his watchfulness touching the captain's movements satisfied that he should be able ere long to detect him in some intrigue as to running a cargo of slaves and doubtless under such circumstances that he could arrest and detain him if not by some lucky chance even have him tried and adjudged upon by the english commission upon the coast to suppose that captain ratlin did not understand entirely the motives and conduct of his enemy and would-be rival would be to give him less credit for discernment than he deserved he understood the matter very well and indeed bore with assumed patience for miss huntington's sake many impertinences that he would otherwise have instantly asserted but he marked out for himself a course and he resolved to adhere to it captain bramble was not only a suitor of miss huntington's but an old and intimate friend as he learned from her family and therefore he should avoid all quarrel whatever with him and so he did on his own part but the english officer enraged by his apparent success took every occasion to disparage the character of captain ratlin and even before miss huntington's own face declared him no gentleman you are very severe captain bramble said the lady upon a person whom you acknowledge you have not yet known a single calendar month it is long enough quite long enough miss huntington to read the character of such an unprincipled fellow as this nondescript captain i have known him about twice as long as you captain bramble replied miss huntington calmly and i have not only formed a very different opinion of him but have good reasons to feel satisfied of the correctness of my judgment i perceive that miss huntington has taken him under her protection replied the discomfited officer sarcastically as he seized his hat and left her while in this spirit the two rivals met in the open space before the house of don leonardo when the english officer vented some coarse and scurrilous remarks upon captain ratlin whose eyes flashed fire and who seized his traducer by the throat and bent him nearly double to the earth with an ease that showed his superior physical strength to be immense but as though impressed with some returning sense captain ratlin released his grasp and said rise sir you are safe from my hand but fortunate it is for you that you can call this lady whose name you have just referred to friend the man whom she honors by her countenance is safe from any injury i can inflict a very chivalric speech replied the enraged and browbeaten officer but you shall answer for this sir and at once this is not the spot you must give me satisfaction for this base insult or by the heaven above us i will shoot you like a dog as you will sir i have spoken openly and i shall abide my word i am no boaster nor do i expect any especial favour at the hands of the lady whom you have named but i repeat sir that my respect for her renders her friend safe from any injury that i might otherwise in just indignation inflict little did either know that the object of their remarks had been a silent but trembling witness of the entire scene from the first taunting word captain bramble had spoken early the subsequent morning even before the sun had risen a boat might have been seen pulling from the side of the english sloop of war propelled by the stout arms of a couple of seamen 
while two persons sat in the stern, a closer examination of whom would have revealed them to be the captain of the ship and surgeon. At the same moment there shot out from a little nook or bay in the rear of the barracoons a light skiff propelled by a single oarsman, who rowed his bark in true seaman style, cross-handed, while a second party sat in the stern. The rower was Captain Ratlin, and his companion was the swarthy and fierce-looking Don Leonardo. That the same purpose guided the course of either boat was apparent from the fact that both were headed for the same jutting point of land that formed a sort of cape on the harbor's southern side. "'That is the fellow, he who pulls the oars,' said Captain Bramble to his surgeon. "'He must be a vulgar chap, and pulls those instruments as though bred to the business.' "'Not so very vulgar, either,' said the other. "'The fellow has seen the world, and has his notions of honor, and knows how to behave. That is plain enough.' "'Egad! He shoots that skiff ahead like an arrow. The fellow could make his fortune as a ferryman,' continued the surgeon, facetiously. "'Give way, lads, give way,' said the English captain, impatiently, to his men, as he saw that the skiff would reach the point long before he got there himself. A short half-hour found the two rivals standing opposite to each other at some twelve paces' distance, each with a pistol in his hand. The preliminaries had been duly arranged between the surgeon and Don Leonardo, the latter of whom had not ceased up to the last moment to strive and effect a reconciliation. Not that he dreaded bloodshed, it was a pastime to him, but because it jarred so manifestly with his interest to have his friend run the risk of his life. Both of the principals were silent. Captain Bramble was exceedingly red in the face, and evidently felt the bitterness of anger still keenly upon him, while the open manly features of his opponent wore the same placid aspect as had characterized them while he leaned over the side of his own ship, or gazed idly into the rippling waters that laved the dark hull. It had been arranged that both parties should aim and fire between the commencement and end of pronouncing the words, one, two, three, by the surgeon, and that individual, having placed his box of instrument with professional coolness upon the ground, took his position to give the signal agreed upon, when he said, in a preparatory tone, Gentlemen, are you ready? To which both answered by an inclination of the head, and then immediately, One, two, three. Almost before the first word was fairly articulated, the sharp, quick report of Captain Bramble's pistol was heard, and the next moment he was observed gazing intently upon his adversary, to see whether he had wounded him, and observing that he had not, he dashed his weapon to the ground, uttering a fierce oath at his luck. In the meantime, Captain Ratlin had not moved an inch, not even a muscle. His hand containing the pistol had hung quietly at his side, and his face still remained undisturbed. He had kept his word, and would not fire upon the friend of the woman whom he truly respected, and earnestly, devotedly, though hopelessly loved. Captain Bramble paced back and forth like a caged lion, until at last, coming opposite and near to his adversary, he coarsely remarked, It is a much easier for a trembling hand to retain a perpendicular position than to assume a horizontal one. Captain Ratlin understood the taunt and stepping to where the English officer had thrown his discharged weapon, he threw it high in the air, 
and at the exact moment when the power of gravitation turned the piece towards the earth, he quickly raised his arm and fired, sending the bullet in his own pistol completely through the wooden stock of the other. Then turning coolly to Captain Bramble, he said, A trembling hand, sir, is hardly so sure of its aim as that. This fellow is the evil one himself, whispered the surgeon to his principal. Come, let us on board. If he should insist upon its second shot, we should be obliged to give him the chance, since he did not fire at you, and he would drop you spite of fate. Curse his luck. I am sure I had him full in the breast. Such a miss, and I, who am so sure at a dozen paces. And the English officer continued to chafe and growl until he had got into his boat and was out of hearing from the shore. Captain Ratlin and Don Leonardo quietly pulled back towards the barracoons, and as they neared the shore they saw the form of a female, which both at once recognized to be that of Miss Huntington, who stood there pale as death, and who gazed intently at the young commander as he drew nearer and nearer, and as he jumped upon the shore said hastily, "'You have been on a fearful errand. Have either of you been hurt?' "'Nay, lady, it was but a bit of morning sport,' said Captain Ratlin pleasantly. "'Answer me. Was he injured? For I see you are not. There has been no harm done to flesh and blood, lady.' "'Heaven be praised,' said the half-fainting girl, as she leaned upon the young commander's proffered arm, and they together approached the house of Don Leonardo. There had been another witness of the affair, one who was secreted on the very spot where the meeting took place, one who had overheard the arrangements for the same, and one who had secretly repaired thither with hopes to have seen the blood of one, if not both, flow even unto death. And this was Maud, poor, deluded, revengeful girl, who had permitted one passion to fill her every thought, and who now lived and dreamed only for revenge, upon one who was as innocent of any intended slight or wrong to her as he was to the being he really loved. Maud, with the fleetness of an antelope, had ran by the land path from the spot of the contest, and reached home nearly as quick as the boat containing her father and Captain Ratlin had done, and now, as she saw her hated white rival leaning upon his arm, so pale, so confiding, and he addressing her with such tender assurance, a fresh wound to her already rankled and goaded feelings was imparted, and once more she swore a fearful and quick revenge. Captain Bramble, too much chagrined to make his appearance, at least for a few days, did not soon land from his vessel, but mused alone in the solitude of his cabin upon the obduracy of Miss Huntington's heart, and the good luck which had saved his rival's life. End of chapter 10 Recording by Jerry Dixon, Zephyr Hills, Florida.